And I would ask that you would just lend me your attention for the time span that I stand before you. Give me your undivided attention as God begins to stir in my spirit. And I've been pre uh, preaching a series called uh, ICU, the Intensive Care Unit for the Body of Christ. Amen. And, and we've been working on the premise of Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, that declares those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. Manny, you got to help me out here. We started our first message in this series by declaring that we were going to take our spiritual uh, aspect of our life, our flesh, off of life support. Uh, many of us live in our Christian walk like we live in our life, paycheck to paycheck. You go service to service, just barely making it. There's no plan for your future. You're just going to see what God has for you on Sunday. But I challenge you today that God desires for you not just to live paycheck to paycheck in your finances or in your spirit, but God desires for you to have careful, articulate planning for your life so you can reach an appointed destiny in your day. Somebody say amen. Well, we came last week. And we realized that even though we were done with our drama, it doesn't mean that our drama is done with us. Just because I've decided to let some things go don't mean they're going to let go of me. And just because i got some issues in my life that I want to get rid of doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to get them off of me. So last week we came with the title of a message presented to you that was called, a Pastor, I Pulled the Plug and It Kept Breathing. You ever heard a story of somebody who their family member was on life support and they pulled the plug thinking they were going to die and, and, and to their surprise, uh, the, the, the person kept on breathing. Many times we pull the plug on our, on our flesh. We don't want to feel the way we feel. Um, truth be told, many of us don't want to sin. We don't want to have the struggles that we have. But sometimes we just don't know how to stop them and even when we have stopped them, they still plague your everyday life. Somebody said, mm-hmm. So when you pull the plug on somebody, you have to understand, or rather on your flesh, and don't forget your flesh, when we talk about flesh today, we're not talking phys your physicality, we're talking the thought process in your mind that is adversary to God, amen? We know from these last two weeks that our flesh needs to die and not just to be battled with. We understand that when you walk away and pull the plug on your flesh, it just might not die right away. Do I have a witness in the building? It's similar to an addict kicking a habit. There's always residual temptations. And there's always going to be a weakness for that specific area. We understand that drama just don't die and neither does sin. But we need to starve those temptations as we starve our sin. Amen. So today I present to you my last topic of this ICU. And my question to you is what do you do when the thing you crave the most is the thing that will kill you? What do you do when the things you desire the most are the very things that will destroy you if you let it? Are you with me today? The title of my message today is simply DNR. That when your flesh dies, uh, in the hospitals, people have this thing called a DNR on their, on, their, on their little medical charts. And what it means, if I die, do not resuscitate me. When my flesh die, I got to tell God, don't resuscitate that. I got to tell myself every day, if I die to my addictions, let me not go back. If I die to my issues, let me not go back. Do not resuscitate my flesh. God, whatever you do, help me so that I can stay away from the things that are troubling my spirit in my life. Somebody say, uh-huh. 
So what do you do when the thing you crave is the thing that will kill you? How is it in the midst of God's presence you can still find yourself desiring sin, contemplating sin, and even committing sin in the presence of God? If you don't understand what I'm talking about, has anybody ever thought about sinning while you're in church? Anybody ever caught an attitude with somebody while you're in church? In the presence of God and still sitting and you're telling yourself you, you, all types of reasons as to why it's validated. But the Bible says that when you sin in the mind, you sin everywhere else too. That when you're in church, how many of you had a moment where you couldn't control your mouth? And you, I just said it a thousand times. I don't know where that curse word came from. The Bible says this, that out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. So when it comes out your mouth, it's been on the boiling pot of your heart stirring up and it just happened to bubble over. And sometimes it's like, I remember I was at, I was at, I was at Wanda's house and she was, she was making me some coffee one day and she put the creamer on the stove and she came and we were just talking, laughing and she kind of forgot about the creamer on the stove and it just bubbled down over and made a mess on the stove. It's kind of like when you forget you got some crap in your life and you forget that you got to deal with all the issues and you walk away from it like it's just going to go away and then you find it bubbling over into your life and you got a big mess to clean up before you know it. I still got my coffee. Somebody said, mm. in the midst of God's presence, it's amazing how people can sin. It's amazing how many things go on in church amongst the brethren, amongst the sisters and brothers in the Lord, and how many things you would not be able to see, and the things that cross our minds. We were talking in praise and worship just before we came up, and you are not alone when you are crazy in your head. Everybody's crazy up here. Everybody thinks horrible things up here. I don't care how much you smile. I don't care how innocent you may think you look. You've got some issues. Tell the person next to you, I'm watching you like a hawk. Somebody say amen. It's not that you don't want God's presence. How many of you wake up and say, I don't want God's presence in my life? We wake up with our mouth saying, I want God's presence, but our actions are speaking otherwise. We wake up and say, God, I need your presence, but our actions are dealing otherwise. It's not that you don't want God's presence because you do. Somebody say, I do. As a saved and born-again Christian who has crucified your flesh, you know that the ultimate consequences of sin is death. Why is the thing we crave the very thing that can kill us? And why is the thing we desire and need the most is the very thing that will make you hurt and make you cry? The thing that you crave the deepest, the thing that will make you hurt the deepest seem to be one and the same. Why is it after you chase this thing, it stresses your life and it hurts you? These things that have got you in a spiritual ICU around the clock with surveillance, some people got you locked up in a psycho ward and saying that person is just not right. Trying to be sure that you know it wants you, but not in the condition you're in. Many of you might not know what I'm talking about yet. The thing you desire the most is not your sins or even your flesh. It is not an addiction or a drink. It's not no boy, no girl, no man, no woman. It's not fun, partying. It's not all that stuff you want. Those things last for just a moment. Sin is an eternal investment into a temporary life. Sin has got a special way of minimizing God and maximizing yourself. 
Sin has got a way to make you look really important and make God look really small in your life. Everybody here in one form or another loves God, but the problem is how to give that love to God. We see it all the time with broken marriages and relationships that everybody loves, but nobody knows how to show that love in the right God fashion. And it begins to start an issue in the, in the lives of people. This thing you desire messes with your mind and wrestles with your spirit. Many of you having trouble sleeping at night are dealing with this very desire that is in you. And in case you think I'm talking about your flesh or your sin, I'm not. I came today to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. If you enter into his presence in the wrong way, it will kill you. If you desire it the wrong way, it can kill you. And you wrestle with your spirit and your flesh. And every time you go to sin, the spirit of God is whispering in your ear, don't do that. And you wrestle. And the very thing which you desire, which is God, is the very thing that will destroy you if you do not put your flesh down. Y'all got to hear me today, amen? Let me tell you what happens when you have a Holy Ghost come to Jesus experience. Your life will never be the same. It will flip, turn you upside down, shake you from the top to the bottom, and you will not be the same. When you come in contact with the living God, there's absolutely no way that you can be the same person you once were. Because God is too big, too great, too awesome, too magnificent for you to have an encounter with him. God does not desire to be a visitor in your life. God desires to live with you, to, to, to dwell in your spirit, to be a part of your everyday. Tell the person next to you, God wants you. I wish somebody here today knew what I was talking about, how the Holy Spirit took you at some point in your life and he had to break you and he had to break you down before he actually put you into anything and he had to fit you into his mold. And you had so much garbage attached to your life, you had to take some things off. Sometimes, as Diana said, I, you have to mess things up before you actually get them nice. Uh, you know, I, I love my sister Judy. Where is she at? She's, give me a, put your hands together for my sister. If you don't know who she is, she's sitting in the back row with a beautiful red shirt. She's a little nice complexion going on there. Year-round tan. Somebody say, hi, Judy. I love Judy. <clears throat> you love Judy? She's amazing. One of a kind. <clears throat> Judy does a lot of behind-the-scenes work at GBA that you would, never hear, you would never hear her say, you know, get any glory for her. We never call her out, but she does a ton of stuff for this church. You would not believe it. From website building to newsletters and all that stuff, she does it all. Logos, designs, graphics, she does it. Videos, she does it. Bishop Thompson said, great job on that video yesterday. But, you know, I have to tell you that when she cleans, she cleans. Any real woman would know that when you clean, you got to make a big mess before it gets clean. You ever wonder why when you come to God, your life turns into a big mess? Before God has to clean you out, some things are going to get tough. It's going to get hard. It's going to get messy. And I would go home and I don't know. See, my sister took, and when we first moved in, there was a bunch of stuff that we put in this closet. In my, when you first walk in, in my, you've been to my apartment, you first walk in, there's the living room door there, and there's this closet right there. 
I don't know in God's name how she fit all that stuff in that closet because that one closet, when she emptied it, filled the entire living room. And I got a big living room. There was stuff everywhere, on the floor, on the couches. For three days, I couldn't come home and watch TV. I couldn't hang out at my house if I wanted to because there was so much stuff everywhere. But when it got done, everything was organized, labeled, color-coded. She had the whole nine. It was separated and functional because when you want to get something done right, you've got to destroy some things in your life, break it apart, mess it up, and say, God, I'm here. You do what you want because my way has not been working for me. It's like a gardener when I heard a story of a preacher and he had a next door neighbor and he, he said his next door neighbor had the most beautiful rose bushes he'd ever seen in his life. And he said to his neighbor, I want my rose bushes to look like yours. The neighbor goes, no problem, I'll take care of it tomorrow. The true story. Next day, the man wakes up and he looks out his window. I believe the man was Rick Warren. If you don't know who that pastor was, Pastor Rick Warren. And he looked out of his window and his neighbor was cutting the tree down, cutting each branch, cutting all the flowers off. He walked outside and said, what are you doing? He said, everybody knows when you want your bush to grow back better, you got to prune it. You got to cut these dead things off. You got to do this, do that. And before you knew it, he had a stub. You ever felt like when you give God your everything, you're back to square one? God, I thought I had more in my life. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? When well, you feel like my finances are gone now. My, my job is a mess now. I, I don't got nothing going for me. What now, God? I feel like I took 10 steps backwards. I thought I was going to move forward. And God says, sometimes I just have to put reset on your life because if not, you are going to run into the wall. You can't do this on your own. Your plan is not going to work. I told you weeks ago, if every way you think God's going to work in your life, Throw it out the window. That's not how he's going to do it. I'm talking to you, Ada, baby. I'm talking to you. You have to understand some things about God. How many of you know God loves you? Yesterday, I had a bad day yesterday before the, the whole service thing. I, I, I challenged God in the most stupidest of ways. I challenged God in the dumbest of ways, and I was mad about some things yesterday. I'm like, God, you are not with me, and I can't stand you. I'd be so transparent as to say I lost control of my mouth for all of about 10 minutes, and I was just having a total tantrum. You know, you have a Holy Ghost tantrum, you're like, oh, God, I can't do this. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. I like, oh, that's saved. Cut it out. And so who said that a lot? What happened with you? I'm just kidding. So what happens is, is I was at Ikea, and we wanted to buy some mugs for the, for the coffee after service. I didn't want to have to use plastic cups or paper cups. I thought it would just be tacky. We at GVA believe in the spirit of excellence, but I don't want to spend a lot of money. And I wanted to buy about maybe anywhere from 60 to 100 mugs. And so I'm walking around Ikea and every mug is like $3 and up. There was one ugly mug for like 59 cents and it was just, even that was kind of expensive. That was like 60 bucks. I didn't feel like spending 60 bucks on mugs. And so I'm walking around, and I'm looking at this shelf, and everything on this shelf is like $2 and up. Uh, you can ask my girlfriend. I'm not kidding. You can ask her, is the God's on his truth? And I'm, I keep on battling with this one mug. And I'm walking back and forth. I'm like, you don't look that expensive, mug. I'm like, babe, I don't, I'm looking at a price on it, but I'm telling you, I don't know. It don't look that expensive. I think it's, it's cheaper than the rest of these. She's like, go check. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to check. And I walk away. Two minutes later, I'm looking over the whole store. I'm looking back like, I don't know. No, no. And I finally said, God, if you're with me, let this mug be 29 cents. I went, I scanned that mug, it was 29 cents. I find God in stupid places. I find God where you would not dare to look for God. 
I find God in every area, every facet, every aspect, every venture of my life. I can see God. I can preach about anything. I'll preach about a bottle top if I have to. I'll preach about whatever I got to preach about. Because I can find God in anything. I preached about my vacuum cleaner. I preached about a bed. I preached about a treadmill. I can preach about anything when you look for God in everything. Y'all with me today? When you have that Holy Ghost encounter, it's going to change some things in your life. How many ever wanted to get serious about God in your life? And everything had to change. If you really got serious about God, you would realize nothing in your life is the same. And neither are the people you hang out with. And just because everybody calls themselves a Christian don't mean they saved. Everybody that has the banner of Christ don't mean they got your best interest at heart. Matter of fact, my bishop called me the other day and he said, Burgos, you're hanging out with some pastors you shouldn't be hanging out with and they're trying to suck the life out of you and that every pastor who comes in contact with you loves you, they just want to use you. If pastors will use people, you best believe Christians in your seats will use you. You best believe your friends in other churches will misguide you. Are you with me today? You have to understand some things today. That everybody is not who they say they are. Everything is not according to what it looks like. Perception is not reality. You've got to understand these things. Many people will, will talk to you. You know, I've experienced when I wasn't a pastor, a lot of people trying to convince you to go to their church. And they want to, you know what, I understand, Janet. I understand your problems. I understand why you feel that way. Why don't you come visit my church this Sunday? If you ever feel like going, I want to I wanna, I wanna show you something awesome. Look at your feet right now. Anybody see a chain? Ain't no chains in this place. You can go wherever you see fit because GVA never fights for people. You know why? People fight to come here. Why? Because the goodness of God in our lives. And so when you find yourself in the place of a mess, where you are debating, how many of you ever been to the point? I've been to the point, listen, if I've been to the point where I don't know if I want to be part of this church, I know you've gotten to the point where you say, I don't know, I think I want to go somewhere else. But when all hell breaks loose, I realize it just means heaven's falling down. I realize that when I'm facing tough times, it just means that I have a breakthrough somewhere on the way. Y'all not trying to hear this today, you bunch of sappy Christians. The Spirit of God will strike you dead if he has to, just to keep the other people around you straight. The Holy Ghost, when he gets a hold of your mind, he makes you work overtime. And all those over-analytical views we have are cast upon ourselves, and we begin to realize how far we are from God's will if we develop a spirit of honesty with ourselves. Your desire is not for sin. Rather, your flesh has been trying to fill the God-shaped void in you, as Pastor Philip said. And when you killed your flesh, now you realize there's something missing when you no longer desire the world. And what you're missing is the Holy Spirit. He is not something to be played with. If you read the scripture, blaspheme of the Holy Spirit is the only unforgivable sin. Every night you lay your head on your pillows and you think that you can just turn your brain off and God tell you, I wish I could sometimes. It's simply the Spirit of God trying to talk to you, making sure that you know and he's trying to prepare you for the next day. Sometimes you ever feel like you just go to sleep you just can't turn your brain off. Thinking too much and you're, you're thinking, I'm just overanalyzing and God's just trying to help you plan your life. 
It's all about how you envision things and how you look at things. Somebody say amen. The enemy has tried to turn the careful thought process that God has given you into worry and anxiety. You've been taking sleeping medications, all types of downers just to shut your mind off. But let me tell you, you can't shut the Holy Ghost out your life. When that thing begins to kick inside of you and it begins to take place, your body begins to resemble your spirit after a couple of weeks. And, and you can tell somebody who hasn't been sleeping well. You can tell somebody who just woke up, they got that look in their eyes. Minister Jose walked into the church this morning and I said, you look tired. He just smiled. I walked up to, I believe it was Yvette, and I said, you look a little tired. She's like, <laughs> but I learned something I didn't know. That telling a woman she looks tired is like telling her she looks like butt. I told a woman once, you look a little tired. You think I look ugly? <laughs> and she got all offended at me. She was all types of throwing daggers at me. But when you don't sleep at night, people can tell. You ever gone to work tired, you're unmotivated, just don't want to move, don't want to work, don't want to do nothing? Elder, I'll leave it alone. I want your job. Sometimes you wake up groggy, you st you're staying up late, you're waking up all tired. Waking up all times of late, and, and sometimes uh, when you're taking these sleep medications, they have such an impact on you. Trust me, I know I used to be there. They take such an impact on you that you can't wake up even if you want to. You've got to realize that the Holy Spirit is simply trying to talk to you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles, Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read Acts chapter 4, verse 32 and 33, and then Acts chapter 5. Now, you have to understand that when you're dealing with your mind and you're dealing with your flesh, that you cannot afford to give life to your flesh by denying the Spirit of God entry into your life. The Holy Spirit is nothing to play with. So many more of us searching for love in the wrong places, searching for peace, trying to fill that God void, uh, drinking, partying, doing whatever we used to do to fill that God void. We must realize that we are in need of intensive care for our spirits. We are weak by ourselves and surrounded with your brethren. You should let the Holy Spirit begin to deal with you. That fleshly mindset will only lead to death. A mindset contrary to the will of God will simply destroy you. You were born to do what? Change the world you live in. I've said it to you a thousand times. I'll never stop saying it to the day I breathe my last breath. That I was born to be a world-changing culture shaper. That God has ordained that every one of you can change the world around you. On a grand level, on a microscopic level, on a personal level, on a neighborhood level, God designs for you to change the world. So the person next to you, you're a world changer. Now this story takes place just after the day of Pentecost. And the believers were overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. And this is what the Bible says, and I'm reading from the New International Translation. All the believers, my God, somebody say all. The believers were in one heart and mind, which is hard to do these days. Quiet there. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. 
With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses and sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and at, it was distributed to anyone who was in need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, uh, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all those who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward and wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. Understand what is happening, believers, here today. This passage, Ananias did not sin by keeping his own money. Ananias did not have to give all the money. Ananias didn't have to give nothing if he did not choose. The sin happened when Ananias told the apostle, I've given you everything. All he had to say was, I kept 20 grand for myself when I sold the land. But he said, no, I gave you everything. And when he lied to the Holy Spirit, he dropped dead. And you have to understand that when you tell God, I'm giving you my everything, and he knows you're not, oh my God. And you're saying, I'm trying my best, and you know you are not. And you wonder why there's death in your families, there's death in your finances, there's death at your job where you're losing your job, there's, you, 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 just, you seem to have no spiritual prayer life, no Bible reading time, you can't focus even in praise and worship. Why? Because you lied to the Spirit of God and said you've given him your everything when you're hardly giving him nothing. And we wonder why we're struggling in our spirits. Struggling in our souls, struggling, struggling with your families, your children, your disrespectful children, your bad little grandkids, your great-grandkids, struggling. Struggling as to why people don't know how to treat you, struggling as to why you have a bad outlook on everything because you told God you've given him everything and God says to you today, I challenge you to inspect your own life and see if you've given your everything. 26 years of ministry, we got by with people giving hardly anything. I would dare to imagine what we can do with a group of people in one mindset, all in one heart, all united, putting aside every difference, every hurt, every emotion, every pain, and saying, we have a destiny to change the world. Are you, you understanding what I'm saying today? In case you missed it, and Ananias didn't sin for keeping money. It was his own, as the apostles said. He never had to give nothing today. I'm not talking finances today. I'm talking your spirit. And Ananias paid with his life for lying about giving his everything. 
when he was probably giving less than half. Do you realize that if God doesn't have your all, you will not inherit the kingdom of God? Verse 7, chapter 5. After three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that very moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Understand something. That God killed them for a reason. It was not just, you might sit there and say, well, that's really harsh. But this is the beginning of the church. And if people in the beginning got by with lying about giving everything when they worried, then it would make it okay 2,000 years later for you to do the same. And so God made an example out of Ananias and Sapphira, and they lost their life for claiming to give their everything. Ananias and his wife were attention seekers, desiring for all to see what they had done and given when they wanted people to think they'd given more than they actually had. They were after attention and reputation. They were looking for recognition and perhaps a title in the church. They desired that the apostles and all the people would see their generosity. What are your intentions when you bring something to God? Because just because you've crucified your flesh and you stop sinning doesn't mean your flesh doesn't come to church with you. Because sometimes you act up in church and with your bad intentions about Christian things, it's your flesh trying to live through your spirit. Are you with me today, church? They were trying to be attention seekers and trying to put the spotlight on them. Everybody got somebody in the church who likes the attention. Everybody knows that they just want to get that little recognition. And if they don't, they get all just, oh, I don't understand why I do so much and they haven't called my name from the altar. The sin happened when they pretended and lied, saying they gave it all. I know the Holy Spirit's been dealing with some of us in the past weeks concerning our flesh. You should desire the Holy Spirit, but you need to tell God to help you not resuscitate your flesh in the meantime. It seems that your flesh seems to have a way to just go through a transformation that now it doesn't no longer desire to get higher or to go pardon. It doesn't desire sexual immorality. Now it desires attention. Your desire, now it desires, and it gets prideful. And now it comes and manifests in other ways that don't seem that bad. In conceit, you know? No, I'm just kidding, Jenna. I'm just... Full of yourself. Ready, you know, saying, I'm just so this, I'm so that. And, and you think you're the best thing since fire, I'll say this week. And your spirit begins to, to have to wrestle with how your flesh portrays itself now as a Christian. You understand where I'm going with this? And, and just because we've come to God and stopped the sinful things that we view, now the sin starts taking place up here. And we begin to deal with the mindset that thinks it's for God, but in reality is completely against God. When your brothers and sisters sin, you think it's your duty to tell somebody about their sin, to pray for them. 
But yet God says that you should pray for them yourself and go to the elders of the church. But oftentimes when you have problems, the elders of the church are the last ones to find out. And we hardly ever find out from you. We find out from so-and-so who talked to so-and-so whose brother's uncle, sister's cousin's mother's father heard it from you. And after everybody has taken a side on your situation, it comes to the pastor's attention. And now I'm no longer dealing with a grenade. It's an atomic bomb in the church. Are y'all not, y'all not trying to hear this today? And it's your flesh living as a Christian. A chameleon is what I call it. Able to disguise itself amongst the people. A wolf in sheep's clothing. Some of you don't even wear the sheep's clothing. Yes, ouch. You desire God, but don't desire the change. I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. In the recent weeks, we've had so many things going on. So many issues happening. So many people dealing with emotional issues. So many people hurt. Not just one, not just two, not three, not four, not five, not ten. I'm talking 25, 30, 40 people. If you would tell yourself, I need to take an inventory of my spirit. I need to take an inventory of my spirit. And am I letting my flesh live through me as a Christian now? Don't allow your flesh to make a run for your destiny. Maybe these last couple of weeks we've been struggling with the flesh and as we've been preaching about it over and over and over and over. We have to allow no one to spoil our fire for God. We have to allow no one, nothing, no individual, no person to steal your joy. You should allow no person to stop you from being that person that God desires for you to be. You stand on the threshold of power and authority, revival, and revitalization. You stand on the threshold of blessings and favor. And you should refuse to let your flesh stop you from running the race and capturing what God has for you. It's time that you chose in the house of God. It's, 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 it's sad to see the condition of the church in some areas. Joshua 24, 15, he said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in the land of the living, but as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. In good times and in bad, when I'm hurt, when I'm feeling good, when my flesh is kicking, when my spirit's fighting, at every time I'm going to live for God. Ezekiel 33, verse 30 and 32. Can I tell you how pastor feels sometimes? I was reading this week. It, I'll just read the scripture. God spoke to Ezekiel. And God said, my people come to you as they usually do. They sit before you to listen to your words. But they do not put them into practice. With their mouths, they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them, you are nothing more than one that sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but never put them into practice. This is the story of the body of Christ. Come on, let's just be honest today. 
Can you say, I've come to service after service, and I'm dealing with issues that we preach about every week. And the reason I'm dealing and wrestling and fighting with them is because I never put nothing I've learned into practice. God desires to change that very thing in your life today. For the dozens of you, the countless dozens of you who come to me in the past weeks and even those who haven't, and you're struggling in your spirit, struggling just to get by. God says, if you would just put his things into practice. Many say and sit in the service and will shout, amen, pastor. But the word that God spoke leaves your hearts today or the second you walk out those doors. Oh, pastor, the music was great. The singing, the praise, the worship was awesome. I was touched, but I wasn't changed. As the verse says in Ezekiel 33, nothing is out to practice. Nothing is put to practice. Nothing in, in our walk with God is actually put to practice that we hear half the time. I know that sounds tough, but let's just be honest today. I've always believed in being honest in the body of Christ. If the shoe fits, don't try and find somebody with the same size. Wear it. Oh, I know he's talking about, no, 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 God's talking to you. I'm not talking about you. It's time you got off your high horse. Humility changed the world mixed with love. He was born in a manger. He was born in a lowly place, died in a high place. For you. Not for you to sit there and to be hurt and bruised and disgusted, but for you to be a world changer. I always wondered how some of the old prophets and speakers in the Old Testament felt they were ridiculed and persecuted and made fun of and, and all these things. And all the, no matter all the miracles they performed and no matter how, what happened, every time they can, they can bless the people of God 30, 40 times and then they bring that one word of correction and you see the Bible, the people are always ready to rise up and stone the prophet. As long as pastor preaches what you want to hear with the moment correction comes, my God, stone that guy. When leadership comes to you, you we, can't, we can't deal with that. If you weren't here Friday, Diana preached one of the most amazing messages she has ever preached. Grab a CD. It was truly amazing. I always wondered how they felt until I became a pastor, then I realized it. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, I, the pastors go and they give all they can. You have to realize that every time a speaker takes the pulpit, he's praying that at least one person will change their lives and open their eyes. Stop casting the shadow of blame, but accept the responsibility and the onus of sin. I said it yesterday, God keeps me when I don't want to be kept. That when you wanted to give up, and when you find yourself right here listening to me, that when you wanted to throw in the towel, where you at? Right here, 857 Howard Avenue, GVA, the greatest church in this city. Why? Because God desires to talk to you. And every time you try, God pulls you back. Somebody say, he's keeping me. I said it yesterday, when I want to throw in the towel, he throws it back at me. I remember one time I was so mad and I was about a year ago, and I was done being a pastor. I, was not, I had a situation, and it was just something that seemed beyond my control, and I told my brother, he came to counsel with me, and I said, I'm resigning as pastor, I can't do it. He said, you mean resign or? I said, no, resign. You're going to resign? I'm like, no! I can't do this no more. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. 
you're not alone wanting to give up. The moment you realize that you're not alone in your difficult life, you will realize that you can do this. When I desire to go back to my old self, it always reminds me not to resuscitate my flesh. I know that you desire God. I know you desire your flesh to be gone and its desires, but I know that you have to give in to the Holy Spirit. There's a day of separation that will have to come in your life uh, where he separates the sheep from the goats, the willing from the stubborn, the fighters from the cowards, the believers from the hypocrites, the meek from the gossipers. There's coming a day that your life will be revived and revitalized, a day of signs, wonders, and miracles when the church dies to its flesh and its desires and its wills and its issues. This is God. He desires to change the face of your life. And you will not be the same when God gets a hold of you. Somebody say amen. God desires holiness. He can't do anything with us unless we live holy. The Bible says that any man who does not seek holiness does not, will never see God. You have a God purpose. Not a person next to you. You have a God purpose. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. You have a God purpose. No matter how you feel, no matter what's going on in your heart, your life, no matter what it is, you have a God purpose. No matter what you face, no matter what the issue has been, you have a God purpose. You are sitting here under the sound of my voice because God desires to use you to touch you. You're not here by accident or coincidence. I dare you, if you believe you have a God purpose, to jump to your feet and begin to give God praise for your God purpose. You are not alone. You have victory. You can go back to where you once were. You can be on fire for God. Come on, musicians. Come on. I'm about to be done with this. I dare you today to throw everything that you have, any preconceived notion about this, and throw it out the window. It's time to restart this life with God. It's time to throw away every altar call you ever answered and say, God, I need you now more than I ever have. I don't want to give up. I know I don't. That's why I'm here. And I need you to trust me right now. I don't want to have no more strings, no more chains, no more hurt, scars, issues. God, I desire freedom and nothing less. Oh, I dare somebody to give God praise. God desires to use you as evangelists, teachers, prophets, worshipers, pastors, apostles. I dare you today to be able to give God a chance. Refuse to be denied your appointed time and realize something. Jesus loves you. If nobody told you today, God loves you. If you never thought possible, God loves you. As, as messy as you are, God loves you. I dare you right now to give somebody a hug and just tell them I love you in the Lord. Oh, come on, turn around, give somebody else a hug. Tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. Come on, get out your seat, give somebody a hug. Oh, come on, where's the love at today? You don't have to know somebody. Just tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. I don't know you, but I love you because Jesus loved me. Because he loved me. I can love you. I can live life more abundantly. I'm letting go of these things. Oh, come on. Walk up to somebody you don't know. Walk up to somebody you never really got to talk to. And just tell them I love you in the love of the Lord. I don't know your name. I don't know your last name. I don't know where you live. Oh, but I love you. Come on, Denise, help me out. I love you. Oh, come on, tell somebody you love them today. I declare the Spirit of God has 
as can change the church through love. Love you, the Lord, man. Come on, JD. Love you, the Lord, bro. You gotta love. Where's the love at? Where's donde está el amor? Oh, come on, church, I fear you. One more person. Give one more person a hug. Just tell one more person, I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. I love you. Come on, right now. Grab somebody's hand. Come on, grab somebody's hand right now. Love changes things. Love covers a multitude of sins. I know today's preaching was kind of tough. That maybe we're not giving our all. But you know what drives people to give their all? When they love somebody. When they love something. Even when it hurts, they stand there and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. But I know that you're with me. You may not understand everything, but that's okay. You don't have to. Because God loves you. You're not standing alone. You're not fighting this fight alone. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not alone. Come on, say it right now. I'm not alone. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it, church. I'm not going to make an appeal today. I'm not going to make an altar call today. We had a great one earlier. But if you believe it today, that love can change your life, that God can change everything. Come on, every head thought, every eye closed. That God can work in your life you have a God destiny, that you're not just here by coincidence, but God loves you. Nothing's too big, nothing's too great. No bridge is uncrossable, no issue unsolvable. If that's you today, come on, lift your hands if that's you right now. I want you to help me out right now. Come on, tell them I give myself. Give myself. Oh, come on, it's our church's favorite song. Oh, I give myself away. Oh, come on, I give myself. Oh, I dare you. You can can do better than that. Come on, I give myself away. Come on, just so you. Come on, tell me, use me, God, I give myself. Oh, my flesh is gonna die right now. Gotta, oh, I give myself away. Just so you. Come on, tell her my life is not my own. Oh, my life is not my own. To you I belong. Oh, I give myself. I give myself to you. Oh, come on, that you tell her. Oh, my life. To you I belong. Come on, I give myself. 
give myself, give myself away. Oh, come on, just tell me, I give myself. I belong to you, I belong to you, God. Come on, just so you. Father, we come to your house today, God, in celebration of 26 years, God. Ease every heavy, concerned, burdened heart right now. Every person, God, who stands in the midst of us and says, I want to know you more, God. I want to know you as my Savior. That you would come into their life right now, God. That we didn't call them out, God, but I know they're here and they prayed that prayer, God. For those, God, who asked us for your strength, God, to deal with the issues, give us strength, God. God, your word says in Matthew, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. Oh, give us rest right now, God. As we die to our flesh, die to our hurts, our pains, our issues, God. That we would not let it stop us from our God-appointed destiny. But God, that I would fight with every ounce of my strength, every fiber in my body, God, that I would not relinquish the space that I've given you in my life. That I would not lie to you and say I've given you my everything, God, unless I truly do, God. God, break us to this place today, God. Open the eyes of our heart today, God. That we can see you, God, that we can have your glory shine upon us, God. As we go forward, God, that we would not leave your presence when we leave this house, God. That your glory shall be shown in the midst of your people, God. Come on, the church says amen.